This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This you microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Fight. On weei.com. It's just the two of us this week, Andy and I. No, no guests. Um, yep. we'll, we'll save those for, for later. Plenty to talk about, just the two of us. Uh, Robert Kraft spoke for the first time since the last Super Bowl. I would say Patriots-Rams, I think, was the last time he spoke publicly. So we had that conference call with reporters this week, 30 minutes. I thought he was pretty good. Talked about a lot of things, was honest. Um, I thought it was a uh, productive uh, 30 minutes from the Patriots owner. Yeah, it got off to a uh, shaky start, technologically speaking, where there was like a 10-minute wait to get it all figured out. But I thought once he started, um, I thought he was good. And I think he obviously benefits from – the things he likes to talk about a lot, which are he was a season ticket holder, he considers himself a fan first. I think he benefits from that because he has a connection to the fans. I talked about this on Mud at Night with Mud a little bit in comparison to the Red Sox, which has been a you know a talking point that they don't talk. John Henry doesn't talk, and I said, well, I think part of that is John Henry knows he's not good at that because John Henry is not a Bostonian, a New Englander, a Red Sox fan. He's a businessman, right? I mean. Do you think John Henry cares any more about the Red Sox than he did the Marlins when he owned the Marlins? I don't. No. And, yeah, I would say to your first point, John Henry's not comfortable talking. Like, you can just right. tell. And I, I actually give people credit when you know your weaknesses, like, avoid them. Like, don't put yourself in position to look stupid, stupid, sound stupid, fail. I think one of the reasons that Larry Lucchino was such a key part of the Red Sox for so long and such a face of the team was that. Like, he was good at that. He was good at BSing and political and answers and emotions and day-to-day like and I think they're trying to push Sam Kennedy in that direction to some degree um, but for the the Patriots it's still Robert I actually I, I don't think Jonathan is as good at it I think it's going to be an interesting transition over the years when Jonathan is more the face and when Jonathan's doing the owners meetings interviews but for this situation I thought he hit a lot of really um good fan base notes, like talking about the quarterback position and we need to solidify that position. And I really liked that it was either Jared Stidham or somebody else. He didn't have Cam Newton in the equation long-term. Like, right. And, and I think that's how all Patriots fans are. Even if you've resigned yourself to the fact that he's the 2021 starting quarterback, you sure as hell don't want him right now as your 2022 penciled in starter. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was good. I thought the honesty about, having to spend money in conjunction with the idea that we haven't drafted very well. It is what it is in recent years. Now, the part about, what do you say, gets a feel or a sense that it's different this year? Yeah, I I believe and I hope that I've seen it be different, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Like, I mean, that's where I think he turns into a little 
promotional. So, like, so what do you think that, that comment was referring to? Because that could be taken a number of different ways. Is it build changing? Is it he doesn't like the way Nick did things? Does he like Dave Ziegler? Does he like Elliot Wolf? Like, what was your read on what he was referring to with that? Um, my read is it's BS, quite frankly, is that it was just like a, a PR spin. Like we've been bad in the past, but now we're ready. Like we know our mistakes or we're doing it differently. We're invested, whatever. Um, Cause I, first of all, I think it's unfair to in any way, in my opinion, give Nick Casario the blame, just like I wouldn't give him the credit. Like this is Bill Belichick's football operation, right? The good, bad, indifferent, whatever it's Bill Belichick. So, you know, I, I didn't give, Nick Casario credit for Super Bowls, right? Do you hear everybody talk about, oh, Nick Casario built a Patriot, the second phase of the Patriot dynasty? Nope. I don't hear that anywhere. And I'm not going to blame him for the dynasty running out. Or, you know, am I going to blame him because, you know, uh, Tom Brady left? Why don't, we, why don't we just blame everything on Nick? He's gone. It's just easy. He Like, make right. him the whipping boy. So, no. Um, he did have a phrase in there about, you know, the active free agent offseason and how, like, three or four guys were really invested and thorough. And I immediately start thinking, you know, okay, is he high on Dave Ziegler and what he's seen from him so far? Cause there were those, you know, the reports about, you know, Ziegler when he interviewed in Denver for their GM job and then was kind of lured back in by Bill. And if Bill did it, I'm guessing Robert's kind of in lockstep in yeah. that Dave Ziegler, whatever. Um, and then who else is it? I mean, you mentioned Elliot Wolf. Wolf I, I don't know. Whoever it could be, he, he kind of, without naming names, talked about the core of the decision process. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he, in sort of one side of his mouth, said, I signed off on it. Like, we had this plan. I was, I was like, in on this plan. And then he's like, but we'll all get to evaluate it, so we'll see. Like, <laughs> that's where it's like, it's, I signed off on it, but they're the football guys, so if this goes really wrong – don't, Don't complain to me. me. It's on them. Well, I kind of think that was his tone with the entire thing. Because back to the quarterbacks, he kind of played both sides of the fence. Like he praised Cam Newton, praised Jared Stidham. So if there's a real chance that they're the two quarterbacks in September, he kind of praised them and gave the hope to fans that Cam will be different in year two, blah, blah, blah. And then if they go out and draft a guy in the first round or add Jimmy or whoever, he says, well, I told them you need to solidify the position. So basically he's right no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, he earned that right in, on some level. Like he, he does want to distance himself and he loves to do, use the, you know, in all our businesses, we hire people in management and we trust them and we let them do their job. Gives him a, you know, plausible deniability or a layer of deniability there, um, which again is, is perfect because you get lumped in with the credit. Whether it's business, Super Bowls, stadiums, Patriot, you get lumped in with the credit. Oh, look what Robert Kraft has built. And then if it goes wrong, well, you know, he hired football people to run the football operation. It's not on him if it doesn't work. That's on Bill Belichick and Dave Ziegler. So, yeah, I think that's the luxury, you know, being an owner. Owner's own and everybody else needs to do their job. You know, as I wrote in my column this morning, he never said anything edgy like, this better work or else heads are going to roll. But I did think there was a little bit of, you know, the, the idea that I expect to be a contender every year, like this, this isn't good enough. You know, I called it horrible last year and, you know, nothing matters more other than my family. Nothing matters more to me than the Patriots. I did think he kind of didn't threaten anything, but sort of said, 
I'm paying attention here. Like I noticed that things aren't, aren't quite as good as they used to be. Well, kind of like we talked about on the phone yesterday, like he, I think he acknowledges, like you said, the league is designed for teams to go where eight and eight every year. And so he understands that like, you're going to have a down year every so often. Like it's, it's okay to have a down year, but I think he doesn't like the fact that people maybe are trying to say that Tom Brady is the reason for that. Like, and that's why the drafting comes up is Tom Brady has nothing to do with the lack of, you know, young de- defensive players. Like if Chase Winovich and Josh Uche don't work out, that's not Tom Brady. And right. same with Nikhil Harry, like he's not Tom Brady. So sure, having, not having Tom Brady in your first year without him, it's okay to have a bad year, but that doesn't set yourself up to use that excuse for two, three years down the line. Yeah. I thought he was the tone with the quarterbacks. I thought was realistic. Like, yeah, the Tom Brady had to go. It played itself out. He had an interesting line in there where he said, uh, comparing it to a marriage, no one ever knows what's going on behind closed doors. I was like, ooh, palace intrigue. Tell us more, Robert. Um, so that whole idea. And then, you know, look at all the whizzes, which, by the way, I mistook. I thought he said wizards. And I think when I wrote my first blog entry on it, it says wizards, not whizzes. But whatever, same, same, that passed on Tom Brady. He, he's aware that they were in their first year after the most stable quarterback position guy ever. So I think he has some understanding, like, you're not going to go from Tom Brady to the next Tom Brady. But you're right. I think all the rest, like, he had the line, no one would even knows what would have happened if Brady had come back. Look at the end of his last year, which I love. That was my favorite quote in the whole thing because I'm a big believer. I've, I've written, I think, many columns on – would you have really been happy if Belichick and Brady sucked together, missed the playoffs together? I think they would have missed the playoffs this year with Tom well, Brady. To me, that was sort of an acknowledgement, too, that Brady changed down the stretch. Well, like, did he change or did he just give in to the – like, I think that's Brady's excuse, too. The owner just said the drafts have stunk for the last five years. What would you want Tom to do? He saw crap around him and got the hell out, right? True, true. Jump ship to another ship in Buccaneer land. But so – I think there were a lot of, if you want to parse that, like movie poster it, you know, they take the movie, they go through the the reviews and come up with just like the, the four words that really say something. You could really, really movie poster Robert Kraft's comments and read into them if you wanted to. Totally. I think that's how I like those things down there, though. Bill does the same thing. Yeah, jabs. You're right. It's always little subtle, snarky jabs, whether it's from here up here or from up here down to here. And Tom was part of that for a while. There were sort of layers of the jabs back and forth between Tom and Bill and Bill and Tom. Like they don't come out and directly say things, but they give those little things that you can take whatever way you want it to. And they seem to be perfectly okay with that taking place. So I guess in that way, my big takeaway would be Bill better not have wasted about $150 million of Robert Kraft's money because he won't take kindly to you. It doesn't matter who you are. Even though he said, oh, you know, he's been good for stable for 21 years. If you waste $150 million of his money and this doesn't start to look good, people are going to notice. And by people, I mean Robert. Well, I will say, too, it's not like this year needs to be you know, back to the AFC Tele game. I think he just needs to see progress. I would say, you know what I would take? Entertainment. That's true, too. They were not entertaining last year. They were not no. fun. Well, and we talked about it a, lot, a couple of podcasts ago, I think, with Paul. Like, now that you have tickets, you know, probably full stadiums back like that creates a whole different thing like this year it worked out great for them that there are no fans and no booze and, and you know you couldn't see the red seats and all that 
if it's another year of non-entertaining football and you have booze, empty seats, that reflects poorly on Kraft, I would say, more than Bill in a way. Because I've always said this. There's a fine line. Like, I think Bill leads a football team that's competing for titles. I think Robert owns a football team that's part of sports entertainment. It's competing for titles, but it's also supposed to be entertainment. And I thought last year you could actually argue their record, seven wins, was better than their entertainment Entertainment value. value. Like, there was some just not fun games, field goals and field goals and just not good football. The games they won, like the the Jets game on Monday night. Yes. And the Cardinals game wasn't great. Like, no, so I – like – so I think you're right. Like, cause I don't think, I mean, okay. Just got posed this question by my son and his friends. So go ahead. Right now we know they're going to have a 17 game schedule. We know who they're playing record nine and eight. I think I'm going to go 10 and six, seven, ten and seven, 10 and seven. It's going to take me a while. It, hey, Robert stumbled on it too. He, when he said the eight and eight, and then he goes eight, nine and eight or, or whatever he said, like it's going to take a while to get used to it. But they can be better, more entertaining. We may all see it and go, ooh, this defense is better. They're not just getting by. They have some playmakers. They have some cohesion, all three unit lines, whatever. But that doesn't mean they're going to win 12 or 13 games and no. be in the playoffs. Or To me, the maybe 11 wins would be – 11 and 6 would be your, your upside, probably. Probably. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback and the draft right. and all that. But, yeah. 12, if everything goes perfectly, maybe 12. Right. But, and who knows if you make the playoffs, don't make the Like, but I, I think you're right. Just the idea that there'll be some positive energy around the team, that the owner's not referring to the season as horrible. Like, because that's the other thing. It really wasn't horrible. It was seven and nine. It was, if you believe some people, the path to the playoffs was still there in December. There's a lot of places, you know, Jacksonville's of the world places that would say eh, that's not a bad season we had right. we, we extended we were still in playoff contention in right. December like we, we had were- a chance so for him that's horrible and so I, I guess my, I would be stunned if they're horrible again I would be I, I just I can't see it but he's watching they're all watching we're watching he's watching everybody's watching uh, the draft stuff, did you have any – like, did you take offense to him saying that? Like, I thought Jeff Saturday said it was ridiculous and Belichick should be upset by it and go to Kraft and point to his record. Like, I, I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't even that harsh. Like, he was stating the obvious. Right. I, I mean, when you call a duck a duck, like, what are you well, supposed and to And he also didn't say, like – it wasn't like he, you know, went on a long rant about how the drafting's been bad. He just had one line basically saying, like, we haven't been good at that in the last couple of years. Right. And isn't that kind of a fact? Yes. Like, it's not as bad as some people paint it to be, but it hasn't been good. You can't argue that it's good. Uh, no. I mean, there are some people, there are the Patriots honks that want to argue that it's good, but it's right. It's not. And it's I think not was, good. It was, it was uh, for, to go against the Patriots honks and the homers, I think it was good for the owner to come out and say that so that you can, the media can point to that and say the owner said it. Like, it's not just us. Right, right. And, again, it's not as bad as the real haters would paint it to be because you get into a lot of the debatable picks of Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle and what you got out of those guys, whatever. But it hasn't been good. No, I did it out from the 2016, 2017, and 2018 drafts. Of the 22 players they selected, only five of them are still on the roster. Right. I mean, it's not good. We've seen good drafts from the Patriots. We've seen drafts that 
over a couple of years were the foundation of success and runs in the team. We didn't see those recently. Now, the Saturday thing to say, like, point to his record. Well, first of all, Bill did that. Saturday's actually taking his cues from Bill. Remember when Bill answered Tom Curran on a conference call? And said, I think a lot of teams would like to have our record over the past 20 years or something. No, no, no. We weren't talking about your winning record. We're talking about your draft record. Two different things, Bill. We could, like, get it about. That's like a kid, you know, gets an F in Spanish and goes, but math, I nailed. <laughs> I don't care. We're, like, we're grading the whole thing. You're a student in multiple classes. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I don't – that was weird to me. And as our boss, Rob Bradford, said on one of our internal Slack things, like, I thought Kraft and, uh, and Saturday were boys. I thought they hugged it out one time. Right. Guess not. Guess he's off the Christmas card list. Scratch him off the list. Where'd the human connection come from? I, I don't remember that. Well, it was just the when they hugged after the CBA. Like in, in, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, but no. I don't know that it was more than like a boardroom thing. Or Correct. Like, Correct. I don't know how deep it went. Right. Um, but I don't think he there. he's off the Christmas card list because that wasn't – it was, it was also dumb. Like, yeah, we all do it. We all get him like impassioned or react to certain things. And you don't even really know why it annoys you or why it triggers you or why you thought a statement or a comment was dumb. I think that's one that like if, if Saturday's sitting back with like his wife and like it comes on, he'd be like, what was I talking about? I don't really know where that came from. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. So the, the future the, Patriots quarterback. We haven't really discussed um, the trade last Friday and kind of how that all plays out. Uh, what's your, what's your read on how things are going to go and how that potentially could impact the Patriots. I have no idea. Back to you. Like, I have no idea. If they want a first-round pick, like Albert Breer is reporting, it's nice to want. I can't imagine anybody sending them a first-round pick, never mind the 15th pick in the draft for Jimmy Garoppolo with a $24 million salary. Although I know everybody just assumes he's just going to take a pay cut and do whatever anybody asks him to do. I don't know that that's true, especially since he has no trade clause. And then his injury history can't be can't be glossed over if you're going to trade the 15th pick in the draft for him. Like I just think that's laughable. I, I can't imagine anyone giving a first round pick. Uh, beyond I that, I can't either. Beyond that, okay, now we can talk. How much do you like him? How much do you think? Oh, the injuries—they're circumstantial. They're crazy. They're freak. Whatever. They, you know, he's due to have a healthy stretch because a lot of quarterbacks do stay healthy in the modern NFL. I, you know, I don't know that he's slow-footed, and that's why he gets hurt, as Chris Sims tweeted about. Chris Sims seems to just hate uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, which is why I would say, um, you know, the, the relationship between Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan is interesting. You know, as yeah. he promotes Mac Jones and then just takes pot shots at Jimmy Garoppolo, shouldn't I just assume those are coming from Shanahan? The guy like, himself, yeah. Sims? Yeah. I mean, it's like, remember when Mike Lombardi was on our station just shredding Jamie Collins, right? Can't play, right. doesn't want to play, should. And everybody's like, well, he's not just making that up. He's getting that from Bill. He's a friend of Bill. To me, this is the same thing. Kyle Shanahan, you, you kind of assume that Chris Sims is doing his dirty work for him. Are you fighting your dog in the background? I am. I am. Really not good. At least he's the not barking. The listeners love your dog. At least he's not barking yet. <laughs> That's coming. Because you're beating her. Um, Pete well, is on line one. What was I, I going to say? Um, if you're the Patriots, which isn't the, an argument to kind of be made to play it out a year and wait till next off season when the cost would probably be less. They're more likely to give them away. You have Cam Newton this year. 
So why, why go all in this year on a first-round pick when you can get them next year for whatever it would be, a three or a four? Well, I to sort of flip sides on that, I think the 49ers should slow play it personally. You know, I've told you I think they should take a Chiefs approach, keep him around, maybe he's the starter, or at least wait until August when maybe, A, you've had Mac Jones or you've had whoever it is for – three, four months, you feel more comfortable. You've seen practices. He's interacted with George Kittle and Debo Samuel and those guys. And maybe you have a better feel for your quarterback situation. And then also maybe somebody blows an ACL, maybe some, or maybe some suitor says, yeah, Cam still stinks. I'm just using the Patriots as a placeholder, but let's just say Bill, like he gets into camp and it's like, wow, he really still can't throw the ball. I thought it'd be better this year. It's not better this year. And you know, the extreme example would be that Sam Bradford trade that came after the, the Bridgewater injury, but maybe you get somebody like that. I, Unless the 49ers get a first-round pick, which I, I can't envision, I don't know why they would trade him sooner rather than later, before the draft or what, like, it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, um, I was with you. You wrote that in a column this week, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, if you think about the 49ers, like, why – you're right. Why bother? You can slow play it. Like you're, you're better off having Jimmy Garoppolo on your roster. And like, cause like you said, you're, so you trade Jimmy, you're all in on Mac Jones. Who's done absolutely. He has one good year of a college resume. Like that's a big risk to take. And right. it, they can, it's not like they can't afford financially. Like they've already come out and said they can afford Garoppolo's big cap hit plus whatever they bring in as a rookie. Like, they're in a position to win now. Like, why would you – it's not like they stink and you're better off giving you know, Mac Jones a chance to play it out and improve on the field. Like, they're in a win-now position. If you're the 49ers, I wouldn't trade him unless you're getting a one or maybe even a two. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's a little bit similar to when Bill played it slow with Garoppolo in New England, and, and you could argue he mismanaged it, whatever. The difference is he was backing up a starter as insurance. Hmm. Now he'd be your insurance – as the starter I also think it's interesting that you know to get into this story a little deeper than than maybe we really should but he like the shoes on the other foot now like he was once the new young guy pushing somebody out now he's the older guy getting pushed out and I from a theatrical perspective what you know a story I think it'd be fun to see him start for the 49ers be good not get hurt play all 16 games like in a dream scenario they win the Super Bowl and create you know, a weird situation where, oh boy, you traded up in the draft, gave up two extra first round picks, took a guy, this guy just won the Super Bowl. What do you do now? How do you play it out? Well, along those lines, I feel bad for him. They've jerked him around the last couple off seasons and he's done like, sure. He's, he's been banged up. I get that. But when he's been on the field, all he does is win. Last yep. year, you had them going after Tom Brady. This year it's a trading up in the draft. Like, they have the little leaks in the media, like, oh, we, you know, he's our guy, but is he really? Like, what, what, is it, what does it say when you see them making these trades and going after Tom Brady? And I don't, I just, I don't like Kyle Shanahan. I think he thinks he's full of himself. I think he thinks he can win with any quarterback. Like, I think he knocks Jimmy a lot. And I, I think they've done Jimmy kind of wrong. I think Kyle Shanahan is the modern, in a weird way, um, Gruden, John Gruden, these, these offensive minds that think their poo don't stink and that their system is the be-all, end-all, and they can win with any quarterback, and they're always looking for the next quarterback and seeing, oh, he didn't do the – if he had done the read, I told him to in practice. He, he wins games. He went to a Super Bowl. Like, how good do you think you are? And I, 
I kind of agree with that. I don't really like Kyle Shanahan. And I think he plays a lot of games in the media. Totally. And we talked a little bit with Giardi a couple weeks ago about this, how that's not Jimmy's style and he kind of doesn't really care. He just goes about his business. But I would care. I'd start – I'd either get a burner account or start leaking things or well, – Because that's what I was going to say. There hasn't really been a um, counter like to, from nothing. Jimmy's camp. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And, again, if it's not your style, I guess – you know, you're, you are better sticking to who you are if it really doesn't bother him. But it would bother me. Like, let's look at our example of a quarterback here where Brady for a long time stayed out of it. Then I think he didn't stay out of it. There were a lot of whispers. and But his dad never stayed out of it. And his dad was always annoyed by things from almost day one. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're Garoppolo's brother or if you're Garoppolo's dad or family, aren't you pissed off? Aren't, like – you know, the kids say they're doing him dirty out there. Like, I would want to react. I'd be like, bleep you. Bleep you, Shanahan. Would you ever win? And there you was a, a, a little bit of it. Like the, there was a little bit like the 49ers beat guys did a podcast earlier in the week, and they kind of said, like, Jimmy is a little pissed off. But, like, I think Lynch and Shanahan said it themselves. Like, there wasn't really a counter right. to it. Like, Right. No, I I would like Jimmy to fire back. but Like, if this was if this was Tom Brady, how many uh, tweets from Jeff Darlington, Tom Curry, like, would there be? And we've Adam got not, none of that. Yeah. Yep. No question. No question. And it's even better, in a way, from Jimmy's perspective, because he's got him by the balls, the organizational balls. He's got he has, no all, he has a leverage out there. Right. So, but I guess – and he he does, I will say, like, he seems like the guy that it wouldn't bother, like just kind of right. goes about his business. Like maybe that was why he was such a good fit for the situation behind Brady and what could have been like, it didn't turn into some of the stories you hear about Rogers and Favre. And I think part of that is the difference in personality between Jimmy and Aaron Rodgers, and, yeah. and how that played out. But the bottom line is, would you, okay, here's a, here's a deal that was floated by the great mutt Mike Menansky. Um, would you do a third round pick and chase Winovich for Jimmy Garoppolo? And he may have stolen this, by the way, from somebody. I don't know if he came up with himself. Uh, yes, I would. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. A backup pass rusher and a third round pick for a, a franchise Super Bowl type quarterback? Yeah, I'll, a heartbeat. I'll uh, add on to that. Sub out Chase Winovich for a Gilmore. You would put Gilmore in a third for Jimmy? Like, wouldn't that make more sense for San Francisco? Yeah, maybe, but who cares about San Francisco or the Patriots <laughs> podcast? Jesus, let's play radio. Um, yeah, I, I would want to keep – I mean, I've really come full circle. We've talked a lot about that, the idea that – which was stupid anyway, the report that, oh, he, he would definitely sign an extension or would love to sign – yeah, if they hand him $50 million, he'll sign it, right? Yeah. I mean, which ex- – did. What if they offer him two years at, oh, seven million? Wait, I was already supposed to make seven. Yeah, we're just dividing over two years now. Is he going to sign that extension? He'd love to. No. So the details matter there. Well, but I don't think Omar hates it in New England. He just wants to get paid. I don't. Speaking of Jimmy not caring on sort of that level, like, does Gilmore care? Like, what gets under his skin? Well, see, you say that, and then I bring up, I think about his wife. Yeah, I didn't say her. Well, why is she? Listen, as somebody who's married to a bit of a hothead, like there can be a very big difference between wife and husband and their emotions and their feelings and all that. Why isn't he telling her to cool it? As someone who's married to a hothead that you can't control all the time, <laughs> you can tell her to cool it and it doesn't really matter. 
right? I, yeah. Like, I just I mean, right. I have, Gilmore doesn't care, even the way he talks. Very quiet, mild. He does a little jabs after the fact after games, which is great. But like, he's not a, a guy to really care about how he's viewed. And I don't know if it's just a personality thing, or if he's a guy that has mastered what some of those other corners have tried to master but haven't always done. But like Darrell Revis and Ty Law, they tried to be businessmen first, yeah. right? Like mercenaries, businessmen, this is a job, I'm Ty Law Inc. Or if it's just his personality, which would go with his voice and like him being quiet and like, hey, play football and I'll play it there for $7 million, or I'll play it there for $10 million, I'll play it either way and then I'll go home and right. play video games and sell my house or whatever. Like, I, I tend to think that's just who he is. Like, he doesn't get too high or low, and it might be part of why he's a good corner that goes into the job description and all yeah, that. probably. Um, so, but I've, to answer your question, well, first of all, it's a big difference. Now I'm giving the 49ers a much better player. Well, because I think the Winovich in a third-round pick is kind of a, like, you'd steal that deal. Like, that's bad. Yeah, and from their perspective, because one of the things I've said is, if they open up the cap space for Jimmy, that's great, but what are you going to use it on? Like, free agency is basically passed, although David Andrews' agent might be starting to look for deals out on the open market at this point. Um, but free agency is passed. But it, your Gilmore thing, if you swap those, well, now you have money to give Gilmore some sort of signing bonus extension, however you want to re, redo right. his deal. But I've kind of talked myself into – myself. Yeah. There's not two of me. I don't know why myself. there's uh, – talked myself into, like – the Patriots now have a chance to be a decent football team, try to work something out with, with Stefan Gilmore, not long-term. If he's looking beyond like a two-year extension, a three-year Yeah, I was going to say like two or three years, nothing yeah. more than that. But but that goes in line with, too, with the deals that they've done this offseason, short deals. Right, and while I, you know, he's going to be 31, right? 31 in August, tomorrow? Yeah, he's 30 right now. Um. I don't think he's as good as he was, but we talked about it. He was going to have a drop-off. There was no way he was going to have as good a season, mm -hmm. defensive player of the year drop-off. I still think he's good. I still think he's significantly better than J.C. Jackson. He's still a number one cornerback in the NFL. Yes, he's just not the number one cornerback in the NFL anymore. Correct. He might be six or ten or four, or wherever you want to put him. PFF, I'm sure we'll have him slaughtered in exactly where he belongs. Um, yeah, I, I would do it. But only if it were in part due to the fact that I've gotten the vibe, yeah, we're not going to be able to get this done. We're not going to be able to, to figure out a way financially to get this done. And from their perspective, it would also open up some money for them to the seven and change or whatever toward Jimmy's contract, whatever that ends up with. Correct. Because that's the one thing. Like, like, they don't just have 25 or 24 and change million dollars available to bring Jimmy aboard. There would be some cap gymnastics involved there. Yes. Um, another quarterback position talk that came out this week, Todd McShay's mock draft to see him, his mock yep. draft from yesterday has the Patriots trading up to number 11. Yep. To take Justin Fields, who I haven't seen many mock drafts that have Justin Fields going beyond 10. No, I think that's a very wishful thinking or fortunate thinking for the Patriots. Um, because obviously that very much cuts down on what they'd have to give up to move yeah, up. Yeah, it'd be the number 15 overall pick, probably a three and a future two or three. Like I would do right. that deal in a second. Oh, I would too. I mean, we started our new – I should probably promote it a little bit. Uh, boss man's idea, he wanted uh, 28 potential Patriots for the month of April leading up to the draft on the 29th. We started with Justin Fields, and 
Uh, I think he's intriguing. Um, I think there's a lot to like. Am I sure he's going to be great? No. I'm not sure anybody's going to be great after, after Trevor Lawrence. I'm not sure on Zach Wilson. I'm not sure on Trey Lance. Anybody, Mac Jones. But he certainly is a modern quarterback. I, he also doesn't run on the field a 4 4 40. Like, that's great for him. It's a great number to put up. But I, I've watched him play. That's not the speed he plays at. Um, and we have the conflicting would he be a good fit with the Patriots? Would he not be a good fit? Do they right. like him? That whole thing. But just from our perspective, like what we've talked about, yes, I'm all for trading up and getting Justin Fields and finding out later like so many others before you, you made a mistake and he's not that well, good or whatever. But in that scenario, you're not giving up two future ones. You're, you're giving up next to nothing, basically. Basically, what you're giving up is the good to great football player you would have gotten at 15 or could have gotten at 15. Like, yeah. you're giving up your Jalen Waddle or your Micah Parsons or Zavin right. Collins. You took the chance to potentially land your quarterback of the future, and I think if you're a Patriots fan, you would kind of respect that in a way. Like, 100%. Like, sure, you made the wrong choice, but, like, you were aggressive, which we haven't ever seen before. If you're – let's just say you nail Micah Parsons and he's, like, Levante David, what does that get you? Didn't right. get you anything until you got Tom Brady in Tampa. Then everybody's like, oh, look at their linebackers, right. Levante David and Devin. What? So, yeah, it's 100% worth the shot because it's the quarterback position. Um, now, there's also a possibility that he goes three to the 49ers, and this is – just useless pre-draft talk. Which it probably is, but this is what happens for the month of April. Will you be more surprised? I guess it's a dumb question, but like, have you accepted the the narrative that five quarterbacks are going in the top ten? Yeah, I've moved on. Like, I think if you're the Patriots, I would basically start looking at Kyle Trask. I don't like that. Well, sneak preview. I'm running a Kyle Trask feature for next week. Sweet. <laughs> Oh, I mean, at least it's valuable. He could be a Patriot. No, I, 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 I think, I think that those quarterbacks are going to be gone by six or seven, and we saw it's not worth the Patriots trading up to number six or number seven to, and giving up multiple first-round picks to get the fifth quarterback. I don't think it's going to be an option for them. I think they're going to get a good player at 15 and then try to look for a quarterback in round two or three. Try being the uh... – yeah, because, again, I wouldn't push the issue. Like, I wouldn't go out of my way to draft college Trask in round two. Like, you wouldn't – say you get um, Jalen Waddle at 15. Yep. He flips, you take Waddle at 15. And you know how everybody talks about, okay, they reset after round one, and you're like, oh, Kyle Trask. You wouldn't trade up into, like, the high 30s to get Kyle Trask to make sure you get him? May, I, I, let's see what his stock is around the draft. Like, right now, I think he's probably a third-round pick. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm not in love with him. He's fine. I but don't think – Again, I, like you can go into the year and be okay with what you have. Like you can get a guy later in the draft or a camp body and, and whatever, but you still – you have Cam Noon. You have a young quarterback, technically young, and Jared Stidham. Like it's, it's not great, but like we've said before, you're better off not having somebody than the wrong guy. Yeah, and, and a, a second-round pick is not nothing. Right. Like you're investing. Like, that would tie you. There, there are other needs in the roster that you could get young players at. So why, you know, overstretch yourself for a quarterback when you, when you could potentially get, you know, a tackle that could play in the future or a, a running back or a linebacker. Like, there are other needs that you need to address. And missing, you know, like, people make fun of Bill. Oh, I'll take another defensive back in the second round who will be a 
if you blow a pick in the second round, you blow a pick in the second round. It, right. Still wasted the pick. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I don't love Kyle Trask. No. No. That doesn't excite me. It excited me more. We used to have this caller to the old Dale and Keefe show. That's so sad. The old Dale and Keefe show um, who used to call in and he wanted the Florida Kyles. He wanted the Kyle connection. He wanted the Patriots to get Kyle Pitts in the first round and Kyle Trask in the second round. Good, good luck with that. Cause Kyle, that Pitt would excite me more. That would excite me more. Kyle Pitts is probably going, he's probably going to get selected before the fifth quarterback. Oh yeah. I don't think Kyle Pitts makes it past six or seven. I would agree. I mean, I it wouldn't stun me. Everybody's been talking about the Dolphins moving back up to get the wide receiver that they wanted. It wouldn't stun me if they took Kyle Pitts as a generational type offensive weapon for Tua to work with. I know we maybe ideally if you were like filling out your roster, they would get an outside receiver or something. But if you have a generational talent and you think Kyle Pitts is that good, take damn Kyle Pitts. Uh, we're ready for questions. We got a lot of them. Uh, yeah, but just a quick pump. So uh, check in daily. I'll be posting uh, little blog entries about potential Patriots. Today's was uh, Zayvon Collins, and each one has a uh, video that goes along with it. Actually, today's not sure it got posted or not. It was. Kind it, of did. it did. Oh, okay. Um, so you can uh, make fun of how I look and what I'm doing on video as well as what I write. Wonder if the uh, guy who likes to do typos will check in on videos and critique spoken word. <laughs> Uh, this is from Tobias. In case we do not draft, here. In case we do not draft the QB in the first one, who is your overall favorite non-QB fit for the Pats? Well, I mean, we talking like realistic? Yeah, I'd say realistic. Okay, I would say either because Kyle Pitts would be one of them, but right. we'll eliminate him because he's in the top five. Um, I would say Jalen Waddle. I really like. Um, I'm really intrigued by Zayvon Collins. Now, I believe he's running today as, as we speak for his pro day at Tulsa. And one of the concerns about him is, is like timed speed, flatline speed. Um, but other than that, to me, he just smells like a Bill Belichick linebacker. Somebody even said he's like the starter kit for Dante Hightower because he's that 6'4", 260, could play defensive end, could play middle linebacker, could play outside linebacker. He just... He screams the kind of guy Bill Belichick loves to, as Diana Rossini would say, loves to put to good use. So um, I, I kind of like Zayden Collins. Any wide receiver is my my pick at number 15. Any wide receiver? Any any top receiver. I think they need a number one receiver. I think we've looked at the last couple of drafts, like these rookies have made immediate impacts. I know Bill's had trouble in the past, but try again. Will, um, along those lines, I got a question for you. I'm shooting this out right now verbally to the at off day pod Twitter account. Uh, by Sunday of draft weekend, will Nikhil Harry be a New England Patriot? No. I agree. I think he's going to get traded. But I don't think it's, it's not going to be anything significant. Like, don't expect oh. like a – yeah. And Bill's going to have to muddy the water somehow with, like, players no and, and yep. futures and – yeah, because like, he's not going to have to, you know, say he traded a first round pick for a sixth. So Bill's going to announce it as for a player to be named later in cash considerations, like they do in baseball, and then the commissioner's going to be like, "We don't do that in this sport. I don't know what you're talking about. It's either a player or a draft pick. There's right. you can't do all those baseball things, Bill. Right, right. So yes, I, I'm with you on that. Okay. Um, I don't really understand. Oh, 
I'm going to read this. I don't get it. So I'm reading it. Who, who do you want among those you perceive most likely than not to be available at 15? I love Devonta Smith, but he likely will be gone. I'd go Cabe Farley at 15. Um, your dog didn't like that. No. Throw her a freaking bone, man. Um, so it's a similar question. It's basically realistically who's going to be available yeah. there. Um, Farley's interested. Like a corner would be good. Um, I don't rule out, by the way, an offensive lineman. I, I don't I, either. I don't rule out a, a tackle. tackle. If you can – like everybody loves the Slater. Is it Rashawn Slater? The kid out of Northwestern, the more you read about him, could be a guard, could be a tackle, could be a – like – Oh boy! Offensive line versatility. Yeah, think about it. If if Isaiah wins, you don't, you don't bring him back. Like that becomes a need. Yes. So I don't know if people want to hear that. I also, if we're just going to be you know real honest, wouldn't rule out a trade down at some point or out either. of the first round. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just just as always, just have it in the back of your head. That's always a possibility. Um, next question. Do-do-do. Talk about Davis Mills, quarterback Stanford. You seem to like him, right? I do. Of the like, all right, we got to take a quarterback somewhere. And, you know, we didn't get a first-round quarterback. We didn't even get Kyle Trask or whatever. Um, I like him. I think he – now, not an athlete, not the modern quarterback. So, if, if Josh is going in that direction for the modern quarterback coming off the Cam Newton experiment and looking at guys like Lance and Fields or whatever – I don't think he's that, but if you're looking for a pocket passer with upside, NFL size, good arm, limited experience in a pro-style system at Stanford, I think there's a lot to like about him as a later-round pick. Hey, let's let's take him in the sixth round. That worked out well once. Um, we kind of talked about this, but this is a little layered, another layer to the topic. Reports indicated that other scouts in the organization were not high on Nikhil Harry at all, and Bill takes him in the first round anyways. Do Kraft's comments about a change in how we do things signal Bill to listen to other voices in the room? I don't think so. I, don't I, think, it was, I think it was, Bill, do better. Be better, as the liberals like to say. Be better. Like, I don't care how you do it, if it's listening, if it's not listening, if it's going with your gut, if it's going with your laptop. I think all Robert cares about is the end game. He doesn't care how the sausage is made. He wants a good sausage. I don't think he can have sausage. I think that's frowned upon in the Jewish faith. But you, you know my point. Like, I don't yes. – you think he's going to tell Bill, you need to listen to Brian Smith more. Right. Listen to Smitty more. If you don't listen to Smitty more, you're – no. You know what he says? Pick the right guy. I don't get good young players. Yeah. Damn good young players that are cost-effective, that some fans will buy their damn jerseys, and, you know, because he went on the whole McGinnis and who did he list of the guys? Like It was McGinnis and Brady, which I – Great value. Uh, he, he, lo- he, loves, he loves Willie, which I don't really understand. Like, there are other guys to, to name towards that. He does love Willie. Yeah. Um, we kind of hit on this again. What are the chances of a trade-up to number four for Justin Fields? Slim. Yeah, slim. Three, I mean – I would say, like, likely not happening. It would stun me because you're talking about – three first round picks and a two and a three or, or like, yeah. I don't even know. I mean, you're For going at more. least, at least two future first round picks plus something else. And that's just, that's a lot for Justin Fields. I would like it though. For like 30 seconds. Then I would think about it as I, was I telling you this? I forgot who I was telling this. 
I love the idea of it, and I wouldn't do it. Like, yeah. I couldn't pull the trigger. Oh, yeah, in our uh, quarterback podcast, yeah, yeah. Shine. I love the idea of it. I just couldn't be the guy to, to like, pull the trigger and sign off on it. Uh, this is from Elder in North Carolina. Why did Bill give Aguilar a big contract when he's not number one receiver? Well, we all make mistakes, and I think he misread the market. And I think that's on. something that's been learned the last couple weeks as things have oh, gone yeah. on. They, they yeah. misread the wide receiver market. I mean, the only people that got paid this offseason were Galladay, and then this, this Lockett extension got big money out in Seattle. Um, other than that, the one-year deals, the Will Fullers of the world, the different – yeah, it's, I don't know how you spin the Nelson Aguilar thing as, as good. Now, is it a big deal in the grand scheme of things? No, it's not a big deal. I mean, other than the fact that maybe you missed out on a better player you could have had, like if we knew their internal free agency rankings – and they went after Aguilar because they didn't think they could afford Fuller, even though they liked Fuller more. Okay, that's bad because they liked Fuller more. But I guess there's a chance they thought Aguilar was the best fit for what they want to do offensively. It's a tough sell for me. I don't, I don't really buy it. I don't really like it. But we'll see. It's, not, it's also not like they gave him a $100 million deal. Well, it's kind of like you said, too. If he produces and has a good year, nobody's talking about his contract. No. And that's the – I get back to that with everything. Like, we – we get into draft pick value. I remember arguing it, oh, Mac Jones isn't worth the 15th pick. He's worth the 20th. Then he's worth the 15th. If he's, right. if he's a first-round quarterback that's going to make you better, then he's worth the goddamn pick. And just like if Nelson Aguilar is good, no one's going to talk about his salary. And if he's bad, no one's going to talk about you got him for $5 million. They're going to say you invested in a wide receiver who doesn't help the team. It's all about the performance and whether he actually does anything. Right. This is from uh, Stanley. Can one of you or both of you settle a heated debate I'm having with a friend? Do you think the Ohio State program gives NFL franchises slight pause when considering or drafting quarterbacks from that program, both generally speaking and specifically Justin Fields? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, the program, to me, the only time it comes into play is A, coaching, and B, system. Like, is the guy more re- – like, the, the thing that – Jordan Palmer said about um, Jared Stidham, oh, he's making the greatest leap in the history of football going from the Auburn offense and how simple it was to the Patriots, like stuff like that. But, I mean, Alabama hasn't exactly pumped out quarterbacks, right, that have had great success at the NFL level. So do you, are you not going to take Mac Jones? No, I wouldn't say that. Or right. how LSU. You know, Zach Mettenberger was a disappointment. Jamarcus Russell stunk. So you're not going to take Joe Burrow? Like, I just – you have to evaluate the the player, his skills, what he accomplished within the offense. I No. The, the short answer is no. I don't believe in any of that crap. It goes back to my theory when people say, oh, you can't go to Cleveland. Jimmy, don't go to Cleveland. Bill wouldn't trade you to Cleveland. Why? If you're good enough, you'll make Cleveland good. Just like if, if freaking Justin Fields is good enough, people will forget that Ohio State doesn't have good quarterbacks. I'm with you. Um, last, last one. These are go rapid fire on these names. Okay. Asked, asked us a while ago. Hope you all have done your homework since then. What well, are your... I'm not done with everybody. And he does he spell mold funny? Yeah, he does. this on Twitter. Is this like a, a European pronunciation or European uh, mold spelling? Yeah, I'm not really sure. But all right, Jared Patterson. Uh, pass. <laughs> Shade Sherratt. I'm only gonna no. I'm only gonna tell you the ones uh, pass. Amari Rogers. Oh, I like him. I like him. He's a good player. Um, 
wide receiver. Now, he's not the ideal outside number one receiver that I'd like to see them have. And that's a question we can get into later. And the, the way this team is built with Bourne and Myers and to some degree Smith and the tight ends, like, does it affect what receiver you're drafting? I guess would be my question. So that would be a black mark against him. I don't think he's the true number one outside receiver. Blake Prohl. Pass. Saving Collins. Love him. Love him. He should be in consideration, especially if he drops. He'd be a dream guy to get um, end of the first round, early in the second. If they take somebody at 15 or trade down, that could be a possibility. I just talked myself into that being bad. They could trade down and get Saving Collins. But I like the player. I think Bill would have fun with him. J.C. Horn. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's a good, good young cornerback, and they've obviously had success with South Carolina cornerbacks and cornerbacks named J.C., so he's a perfect fit. Last one, Richard LeConte, the third. Uh, who the hell's that? <laughs> I don't know. That I, I just watched him. I don't know. I'll pass on him. We'll come back to him. He's a safety from Georgia. Oh, I haven't watched safeties yet. Okay. We'll get back to you on that. Hey, we're halfway there. Right. Hopefully that was good for the mold, M-O-U-L-D. Uh, that's all. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate the questions. Those were a good, good mix, good bunch of them. Um, so keep those coming for a future podcast when we ask for them. Anything else cool. you'd like? Anything else you'd like to hit on? What do we got coming next week? Wide receivers, running, running backs. That was awkward. You were just staring at me. I didn't know you were waiting for me to speak. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to speak. Thought you froze for a minute. Uh, yes, we'll be doing running backs and wide receivers next week. And every day you can check out weei.com for a player at some position, one of 28 names that I, we think that the Patriots might have interest in or might be a good fit for the Patriots. That will be weekends too. Oh, we're a, we're a new website too. We're Audacity. No, Odyssey. Odyssey. Come Odyssey. on a draft Odyssey with us. There's lots of puns. Yes, there is. Yes. Yes, internally. Yes. Um, all right, so we'll be back next week with that podcast earlier in the week. And then if some Patriot stuff happens, we'll have another Patriot-centric podcast there in the week, probably will. We have some guests coming up. Mike DeSoe has been thrown out there as potential guests. Um, Giardi's always available when he's not at Notre Dame's Pro Day. Um, yeah, bitching about traveling. Yeah, so maybe we can get him on. We'll, we'll, we got plenty of stuff coming between now and the draft. You're damn right. There's always Patriots news, and there's always a squeaky dog in the background. Sure it is. All right, we'll talk to you next week.